0: You're listening to the Elim Church Northampton podcast. This message was recorded live as part of our regular Sunday service. We know that this is a great investment into your life. So tune in and give it a listen. For more information, visit elamnorthampton.com. Title of the message today is Take Courage, It Is I, Don't Be Afraid. Take Courage. It is I, don't be afraid. I was working through what I was going to speak about and I I had some little bit of worry myself and uncertainty. And I'm saying, Lord, please speak to me. And when I begin to think about the story and read this story, it was sort of highlighted in my mind. I was reading it and out of that became the message for today. But it also spoke into my heart and uh, preached it this morning and just listening to myself again. Faith arises in your heart when you listen to the Word of God. So take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Matthew 14, if you want to follow me, it will be on there, the Scriptures. It says, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside to pray by himself. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, "'Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. "'Lord, if it's you,' Peter replied, "'tell me to come and I will walk on the water.' "'Come,' he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. they landed at Gennesaret and when the men of that place recognised Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country and people brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the hem of his cloak On all who touched him were healed. May God bless his word to us today. When you, when you consider the context of this story and you read through the other gospel accounts, you quickly recognize that this is just on the back of Jesus feeding the 5,000 through the same disciples. And uh, so they've experienced amazing miracle from a few loaves and a few fish. In fact, it was the disciples that said to Jesus, send the crowds away. Uh, and, but Jesus, the Bible tells us that because he had compassion on them, he said to the disciples, no, you feed them. So they're involved in a miracle only a few loaves, a few fish. And they they experience God's power and mirac- miraculous moving in their lives and feeding 20,000 people with a few loaves and a few fish. And so now, the story after they've finished, Jesus dismisses, dismisses the crowd. Interesting thought, isn't it? Disciples want to dismiss, dismiss the crowd. Now Jesus, after producing a miracle, dismisses the crowd. And also, the disciples sends them ahead of him in a boat. And so when you look into this, I mean, why did Jesus do that and go to a mountain to pray by himself? Now, some of the commentators speculate that because Jesus went alone is because there was something going on in his heart. And one of the commentators say this, which is really important because in the other account of when Jesus fed the 5,000, it says at the end of it, but the disciples didn't understand about the feeding of the 5,000 because their hearts were hardened. Can you imagine that? Being in the middle of a miracle, being a part of multiplication. And then at the end of it, your heart gets hard against that miracle. It's, It's unbelievable. You would think your faith would grow, wouldn't it? But it's interesting that you have to guard your heart. I can't guard your heart for you but you have to guard your heart. It's interesting that God can do a miracle today, but tomorrow you can lose faith. Why? Because you have to guard your own spirit. You have to guard your own heart in following Jesus. Even though he'll do miraculous things today, that is not going to sustain you tomorrow because it didn't for the disciples. And so Jesus is praying and why is he praying? Because they say that the crowd after experiencing the amazing miracle and the disciples being part of that miracle still didn't get Jesus. Still didn't get him who he really was and what his mission was about. Because the crowd and the disciples believed that the Messiah would come by force, destroy the Romans and set up his kingdom. And that was in their mindset. And Jesus is frustrated because the disciples didn't get him, who he really was, and also what his mission was about. And in church life, we can get confused about who is Jesus and what his mission is about. His mission is not to serve the church. Come on. His mission is to serve the world through the church. And sometimes, as as people of God, we think that we just come to church just to receive from God just for ourselves. But you get get mixed up, that your mission is for the world. And so we receive from Jesus, so we can take his blessing to give it away. Just like the feeding the 5,000. And so Jesus is praying with a frustration, they believe, because they didn't get him. And his time is running out. He only has three years before he's going to leave these 12 guys to turn the world upside down with the message of the gospel. And they're still not getting him. Uh, What else has he got to take? Miracles, feeding the five thousand, raising the dead, and he's thinking they still don't get me. They still don't understand that I'm God incarnate. They still don't believe that I come as the as the Messiah of peace, and so he's praying on his own. Only three accounts. In the Gospels where Jesus prays alone. The first one is when he chooses his disciples. The second is when he's frustrated with his disciples in this account. And the third one is when he's going to die for the disciples when he goes in the garden on his own. And sometimes in church life, you can get disappointed with people. You know, you can be preaching your heart out and and sharing what God has told you to say. And people go, amen, and then next minute they backslide. And you think, oh God, it's so frustrating. I've got to get away on my own. How long do I have to keep preaching the same thing where they'll get it and trust you with their lives? How long have I got to keep talking about if you honour God in areas of your life, he'll bless you. How long do I have to do that? And it can be frustration. And that's why you've got to get away on your own with God and allow him to do stuff in your heart because you can end up being judgmental. And we need Patience. Because God is patient with us. Jesus is praying, God, will they get it? And then I believe he's praying for the disciples. He said, I'm hoping that this boat trip, they're going to get it. I'm hoping that what they're going to go into next, they're going to get me. And it's interesting what happens. So feeding the five thousands, a miracle happened, they still don't get it. Raising the dead, they still don't get it. Healing the lepers, they still don't get it. And so Jesus I'll tell you what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to send them into a storm. I'm going to have to rough them up a little bit. So when I turn up and save them, they're going to get me. Jesus will allow you to go through a storm until you get him. Not many amens. Why? Because we've been taught to pray the storm away. We've been taught to resist the devil, at the storm he's bringing into our life, when Jesus sent them into a storm. You see, let me tell you something. When you're disobedient child, God will send you a storm like Jonah to get you back on track. And when you are an obedient child, he'll still send you into a storm to develop you. We think the only way to get developed is by God blessing us all the time. You cannot grow without pain. You cannot grow and get to know who God really is unless you get into a storm of life and when you really need God. To turn up. So he sends them into a storm. And so they've got to begin to say, God, what are you doing in our lives? Because God wants to learn, teach them something about who Jesus is and about their faith. Because when you're in a storm, it will test how much you know about God. Come on, smile at me. It will test the songs that you sing and the prayers that you pray. It will show you where your foundation is. When you're in a storm and things are against you. This wasn't the first time that Jesus sent the disciples into a storm. The first time, it tells us that Jesus got into a boat with them. An amazing storm arose, but Jesus fell asleep. But he was in the boat. In other words, even though there was a storm in their life, they could still see Jesus. Amen? And then they wake him up. Jesus, can't you see we're going to drown? We're like that, aren't we? Jesus, don't you see where I'm in this storm? Are, are you? Like, why are you sleeping? Why aren't you getting involved in my storm? And he gets up and he rebukes them. He says, why have you got no faith? What was he saying? Faith in what? Faith in who's in the boat with them. Jesus, more than a man. But God in the flesh. And he went, stop calm and the wind stopped and they said this in response to that it's amazing who is this the disciples who is this he commands even the winds and the waters and they obey him so they didn't know who was in the boat with him who is it and Jesus is saying I can't believe it why have you no faith watch what I do and he speaks and the wind stops and they go, wow, this, this person's more than human. But they still didn't fully get it. So then Jesus says, right, now you've learned a little bit and you've gone through a storm with me in the boat. I'm going to send you into another storm, but I'm not going to go in the boat with you. So he sends the disciples alone while he's on a mountain praying. Praying. The difference is that in this storm, they could not see Jesus. But Jesus could see them. Oh, there's a difference. Because when you're in a storm and you feel his presence, and you get a prophecy, and you get prayer, and you get comfort, Jesus is with me, I'm going to get free. But when there's no voice and there's no sign of God's presence and you're thinking, I'm in this boat on my own, where is God? Does he even see me? Does he hear me? The Bible says that in Mark's gospel, he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Do you not care? Is life supposed to be this hard when I'm stepping out in faith for you? I thought when I was obedient, everything should fall into place. No storms, just blessing. And that's the confusion when we obey God. Because we've been taught that if we obey, no storms. But the problem is, it's not just about your blessing, it's about your growth. And it's about when you're on your own, when you don't feel God. How you respond to the storm is what God is concerned about. He wants to know what's in you when you feel that God's abandoned you. Whether your roots are going down into who he is and what he says, or where you live by your circumstances and by your feelings and by what other people tell you. Because God wants to give us things to do and trust us that we know him enough that when he speaks to us, we'll believe him no matter what happens. And so the disciples were in a storm and it tells us that it was the fourth watch of the night. Jesus was watching them struggle for three shifts. Have you thought about that? God, you're really cruel. Why are you letting them row against the wind? Why why is it that you're allowing them to go against the storms. Why, because God needs us to have some resilience in our walk with him. See, when we first became Christians, one prayer God answered. Now we're supposed to be mature and grow up. It's after 10 prayers, God's still not turning up, but you'll keep going and you're gonna keep rowing and I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna leave church. I'm not gonna stop serving. I'm not gonna stop giving. See, that's where maturity kicks in. But a lot of Christians, when Jesus don't turn up after the first prayer, they are and ship. Why? Because their foundations are not rooted enough in who they're serving and who their trust is in. So Jesus has got to make sure these guys get it. So he leaves them a bit longer to sweat. And the fourth watch of the night is going, right, I think they've learned a lesson enough now. I'm going to go and walk out to them. And Jesus walked out to them, and they looked, and they were so terrified. Can you imagine on a boat trip, somebody coming towards you, walking on a water, in a storm at night? And it said, they were terrified, and they cried out, it's a ghost. It's amazing when you go through dark times, how your image changes about God that we reduce him from savior, healer, baptizer and king to now a ghost. Because the storms of life can deceive us that even in storms that we must keep our eyes on who he really is. He is not a ghost. He is not merely human. He is divine. He's the son of the living God. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And don't we forget that? Don't we forget that? I tell you, I forget it. I forgot it this week when I started to panic about the future. Jesus had to remind me. I thought, Lord, are you in this? They thought it was a ghost. And then immediately, I love this, immediately, just when they needed a word, God spoke. You know, when you say, I don't think I can make it any longer, you don't know yourself. Just at the right time, when you need a word from God, He will speak in the midst of a storm, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of abandonment, when you need to hear a word from God, he will speak. He said, do not be afraid. It is I, take courage. What a word from God for you today that's going through a storm. What a word for God for you today that's taking your eyes off his promises and his nature and allowing the storms and the circumstances to to sink you and your faith. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And Peter, who speaks before he thinks, says, God, if it's you, tell me to come. What on earth was he thinking about? Jesus said, come. I believe Jesus was so excited about Peter. He's going, finally, somebody's getting it. Somebody knows who they're walking towards. For someone to say, tell me to come and I'll get out of the boat in a storm, in the dark, to walk on water, he knows a little bit more about Jesus than the others. Because if you think he's a ghost, you're never going to get out of the boat. And Jesus says, come. You see, the problem is sometimes guys in church life when we face storms, we ask the wrong people advice. We should be asking God, if it's you, Lord, what have you got to say about my next step? If it's you, Lord, if it's business plan, if it's you, Lord, if it's marriage, if it's you, Lord, if it's the church project, if it's you, Lord, Lord, if it's you, I will come. He says, come. The problem sometimes though in our lives, when we're asking God for confirmation, we want 500 prophecies, six fleeces, and seven angels. (laughs) And then we might just obey. Jesus said, you only need one word, come on. Sometimes when you're following Jesus, As you're maturing maturing in God, his words to you are less than they were when you were first saved. When I got first saved, I had prophecy, confirmation, Bible, someone jumping up, saying you're going to do this. Now I get one little word. Come on, I'm thinking, Lord, is that all? I could do with a few fleeces. Can you not send me a prophet? In fact, I went and go and find some prophets. And I'm going to tell you some stories now. When I was seeking God about together, me and Lynn, about, you know, is this right for us, Lord, about this building? I went looking for some prophets. Nothing wrong with that, because they're a gift to the church. They've got to be proper prophets, though. You know, not making stuff up to please you, or to get money out of you. So I went looking, and I put myself in a room where the prophets were ministering in churches. And I would go, and, I, and because of some of these churches where I knew the ministers, I had primary seats. Front row. There was a prophet couldn't miss me. And I made sure I, wear, I wore a, a light top that I, I would be distinct from everybody else. So red or yellow. And I'm there and I'm thinking, come on, get a word for me. In fact, it was better than that. I got invited to a tea after with the prophet, me and Linda. In a little room, there was nobody there but me and Linda. If there's any prophet going, it's got to come to me, hasn't it? It's true, isn't it? Lord, give me a word, is this you? Do you know what? And I can can guarantee, because one of the guys is in Northampton, he didn't come to this church and he's a pastor and he was sat next to me. And the prophet gets up and this guy was a good prophet, proper words from the Lord. I'm thinking, I'm going to get a prophecy in a minute. It's coming, it's coming, Get, get my heart ready. Repent any sin, Lord, get it out of the way. This is true. I'm telling you the truth now. I never said this in the first message. I'm sitting there and he goes, I've got a word for someone. And he pointed to the guy next to me. <laughs> and he, oh, going to do amazing things. The world's going to change and all that. Amazing. I'm thinking, right, I'm next. I'm next to him. He's preaching next to me. Oh, I've got a word. And he pointed. And I thought, oh, that finger's pointing at me. But it wasn't. It was the person behind me. <laughs> Linda will vouch for that. But I turn around and think, you can't believe it. It's like the bullets are missing me. And I'm trying to get my head into like, following. Do you know what? Every person around me got a word but me. And then I went back to the prophet's house. <laughs> for tea. And I still never got a word. And then I went to another conference in Elam and the prophet was there too. I never got a word either. I'm saying, Lord, what you do, And he went, one word's enough for you from me. You've got to grow up now. Trust me, come. Now, thank God for when the prophet confirms what God's already said to you. I wasn't looking for a word to direct my life. I was looking for a word to confirm my life. That's the difference with prophetic words. But sometimes God will hide away the safety nets so you can learn to trust him and lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. The disciples are confused. The other guys in the boat are confused. The storm is still going. It's still dark. They are going, I can't believe it. Peter, two minutes ago, was trying to cling to the boat and want to go home. And now, now one word from God. He wants to get out of the boat and walk on water. What is wrong with him? What is wrong with him? I'll tell you what's wrong with him. He's received a word from God. (laughs) That much makes the difference when you receive a word from God because something happens on the inside of you in the midst of an external storm and fears. What changed? Because when the word of God comes into your heart, fear goes and faith arises. And so what happened was that the word of God calmed the storm on the inside of Peter before it changed the outside of Peter. God, if it's you, I'm coming. Come, the power of the word touched Peter's life on the inside that faith came by hearing that he was willing now to step into the storm onto water. By the way, he was willing to take a step of faith even though the storm did not calm. That's got to be supernatural. God, when he speaks to you, not only gives you direction for your future, but it also enables you to take that step into the future. That's what faith does. You can't do it on your own. This is not willpower. This is God's power. That's why we have to hear God. When He speaks to you, come, and it's fearful. And it's thundering and the boat's upside down. And there is this resistance against you stepping into the will of God. Because we're confused when we obey God. And God says, come. And we think, why is the resistance trying to follow Jesus? Why is there resistance trying to push forward onto the other side of God's plan for my life? Because God wants to grow us, that we will get storms of life. But he can't allow the storms to stop us and to go back. He says, come. So he steps out the boat. What's so amazing is we know the story that Peter takes his eyes off the word. Jesus said, I am the word. He took his eyes off what God said to him and he looked at the wind and he looked at the waves and he looked at the darkness and he looked at the deep and he think, what on earth am I? I am on water. What am I doing? You see, when God speaks to you, he gives you faith. And when you take the step of faith, it's interesting how quick that faith can disappear when hardship comes after it. Peter's going, I wish I kept my mouth shut. I wish I didn't take a step out. But Jesus let them go too far out to turn back. That's why he didn't go on the first watch or the second watch or the third watch why because he said I'm sending you out into the middle so you can't come back let me tell you something church we've gone too far now to turn back God has got us in the middle of the lake and we've nowhere else to go but forward nowhere else only on his word come come And then he looked at the winds and the waves and he began to sink. See, the key is when things come against you when you're following Jesus, when things happen and disappointments come, we look at them and we look at the wind and the waves and we begin to sink and the faith that was there (coughs) begins to evaporate because we get robbed of the word of God. It began to sink, but even so, Because we've taken a step of faith, Jesus will never let us down. He said, Lord, save me. I was trying to calculate how long he had before he drowned. Well, Just think about it. You step into the bath. How long have you got before your feet touches the bottom of the bath? You haven't got long. He's on water now and there's about 500 fathoms under his feet. How long is it going to take him to sink? It's split seconds, isn't it? So his prayer was very quick. There wasn't these long intercession, 50 hour all-nighters. For you that like to pray like that, praise the Lord. But sometimes in life, you haven't got time to pray that long. You need God now, or you're dead. Lord, save me. And immediately, come on, Jesus. Immediately, he reached down and pulled him up to where he was, seated with him in heavenly places. Come on. See, God loves faith people even when they begin to sink. See, faith is crying out to God to help you. Lord, save me. And then he's got him and I think Peter's thinking, I wonder how long you can stay on the water while holding me up. I mean, all these things must go for your mind. <laughs> Jesus, you're strong enough to keep yourself on the water, but I'm not sure you're strong enough to keep me with you. You see, because he's not human only, he actually made the water yeah. that he was walking on. And then he steps back into the boat with Peter. Never says a word. And the storm stops. And immediately John's gospel says the boat took on speed and and went to shore. Jet propelled. Instant arrival. What could have took them a few more hours Happened in a second. And then what happened is amazing. And I think this is where God wants all of us to be. Because guys, Jesus didn't send these guys in a boat in a storm just so he could be a hero and save them. That wasn't his mission. His mission had to go further than that. His mission had to go deeper than that. His mission, the goal of Jesus' mission of sending these guys in a storm and getting Peter out of a boat and saving him was for one major thing. That they would really understand who he is. You see, you're praying to get out of trouble and God's praying that you'll get to know him more. You're praying, let this storm stop. But until you get to know who he is, storm's not stopping. And so, as they get back into the boat, it's amazing what they say. The last time was, who is this? He commands even the waves and waters and they obey him. This time, those who are in the boat Worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Mission accomplished. Truly, you are the Son of God. No weapon formed against us can prosper. And then he said to the disciples, why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me? Instead of standing on my word and reaching back into Isaiah and reminding yourself what it says about me. This is what the Lord says, who created you, Jacob, who formed you. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. He said, if only you had to reach back into my word. And if only to reach back into the song that you've just sang. Christ is my firm foundation. The rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaken. I'll never be more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. Why? Because he never lets me down. He is faithful through generations. So why would he fail me now? He won't. Come on. He won't. He will never fail. Church, in our next season, we can stay safe in the boat if we want to. We can stay in Gladstone Road and all the blessings and the commitment and sacrifice that it's took for over the years to have this place. And we honour that. We celebrate that. And if we want, we can stay comfortable here. We can. But if we do and we stay predictable, and we stay safe, and we stay comfortable, then there's a few things we're going to miss out on as a church. And I'll share with you, and then the band's going to come up and sing. Why don't the band come up now, actually? Why don't you stand with me? Because I'm going to speak over your life, because this is not only a word for the church, it's a word for you personally in your life. If you're going to follow Jesus, then comfort is a word that you cannot have in your diary. Got to throw it away. Safety is a word you can't have in your back pocket. Predictable. Last year's blessing. We can stay in this boat if we want to if we're going to follow Jesus, we've got to take a step out the boat. Yeah. Even when it looks scary and dark and confusion. And if we step out of the boat in this season for our church and for you online, if we take this step in which we're already in the middle, out, we've got out the boat. If we keep going towards Jesus and He says, Come! then we can step into a new faith adventure with God. Not yesterday's adventure, not last year's adventure, not 20 years ago adventure, but a brand new walker water walking experience of faith with Jesus. How exciting and scary is that? Because the disciples were both excited and fearful at the same time. We can step out of the boat then the experience of the present personal provision of God in our lives. When we take this step, we're going to walk into God's provision because when Peter got out of the boat and began to sink, God saved him. He had something to share. He said, my goodness, God, I can't believe how real you are to me that you'll never let me down. I was about to go under, but you brought me up and you saved me and got back on dry ground. You experience God's present provision. Not last year's manner, but a fresh experience of God's provision in your life because you're willing to step out of the boat and trust Him. And as a church, as we do that, we're gonna walk into God's provision. It's gonna be scary. We're gonna feel like we're sinking, but God at the right time will put His hand out and provide for you and bless us for His purpose for our future. thirdly, it will expand our faith and we'll encounter miracles. Why? Because when he got back into the boat, the wind stopped. Oh, we're going to encounter some miracles on this journey. Even though it's fearful, we're going to encounter some miracles. Some winds are going to stop. Some turbulence, some blessings are going to come. God's going to do something that we'd never experienced stayed in the boat, comfortable cruising along and fourthly what is truly on God's heart is that through our experience of trusting God that we're going to have a deeper level of intimacy with Him because after that they worshipped and our knowledge of Him will grow in our hearts that my goodness last year I only thought you was that but now I know you're this and we worship at another level because of encounter. See worship is more than a song. It's a walk of faith and then bumping into God's goodness and mercy and provision and guidance and blessing and miracles. The only thing you can do is say truly, you are the Son of God. That delights Him more than anything when his church will believe who he really is and follow him. And finally, as I pray over you, when we get to the other side, because at the moment we're on the journey, when we get to the other side, we'll have a testimony to help others get out of the boat. Because out of the 12 disciples, only Peter had a story of walking on water. Come on, church. When we get to the other side, other people want to know, how did you do that? And we say, we've got no idea. We just got out the boat. But we're going to help you take a step of faith on the mistakes and the successes that we did in our lives. And we're going to help you achieve great things for God. And we're going to help you take a step of faith and get out of your comfort and out of your own personal sort of, whatever it is, predictability serving Jesus no expectation of his provision, no expectation of his miracles, no expectation of you taking a step into the unknown, whether you're gonna sink or not. Now that's a faith worth living for. That's exciting. That's what got Jesus excited about your church. He said, now I can work with that kind of church. And as I pondered these four things, I thought to myself, there is no trade off now. There is no trade off, Lord. That's it. We have nowhere else to go. We're going to follow you. And we're going to glorify your name. And we're going to see your kingdom come. And we're going to see many people touched by his presence. Because when he got to the other side, church, do you know what happened? Because there's two things happen, that Christ grows more in you and then He comes out of you and touches other people because they brought sick people to Him just to touch the hem of His garment and He healed them all. See this church, New Building is not just about our comfort, but our many other people that will come into that place and God will heal them and save them and deliver them and give them brand new hope. Just lift your hands in the air with me. I pray, Lord, for everyone in this room. That, Father, not one in this room and online will live a life of comfort, but will seek you and say what Peter says. God, if it's you, I'm doing it. If it's you, God, all I want and know is, are you involved in this? Are you calling us? Are you ordaining this next step, God? If it's you, I will come. And in your life right now, whatever it is that's going on in your life, every one of us are on a journey at a different place with Jesus. But his heart for you is that you would trust him and that you believe him. That what we're gonna sing to close is that he will never let you down. Never. And I pray, Lord, if anyone is going through a storm today, in their heart, the waves are high. The resistance is hard. Lord, let your words speak into the heart today. In the name of Jesus, take courage. It is I, I, Do not be afraid. And I believe the Lord is saying that to us as a church today. As we take a step into this new facility with all the waves and the challenges and the uncertainties, He's saying to us as a church, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Father, would you let faith arise today? In our lives and in our church, we love you. We thank you. Help us to never lean on ourselves, But Lord, that you are our firm foundation. And you'll never let us down. In Jesus' name. Amen.